Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. WGN. Thanks for joining us. Boy, it feels good, doesn't it? The holiday weekend is here. If you are in the car headed somewhere, send us a text. Throw us a picture on the text line, 312-981-7200, or give us a phone call, same phone number. You hopefully know Dr. Dana Varble. She is a part of the show every Friday. She is Chicago's exotic pet vet. She is also the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. I would imagine that maybe you are off this weekend, but I would guess this is a weekend where you get a lot of calls at a vet office. Is that true? We do, Lisa. Yes. Happy 4th of July, everyone. It's great to head into the holiday weekend. I am lucky this year. I am off, but many of my colleagues will be extra busy with maybe some Saturday hours, uh, those working at our emergency clinics and emergency hospitals around town will have a little extra load on their hands this weekend. Yeah, yeah I would imagine. Uh, so let's talk about the air quality. I have been coughing mm-hmm. since this Canadian wildfire smoke landed in Chicago and throughout Illinois. Eyes watering, sneezing. I see a lot of people in the same situation. And then I think, oh my gosh, my dog's lungs are that much smaller. And, you know, their nose is that much more uh, sensitive. So how does it affect our pets? Yeah, Lisa, you know, the smoke has been really bad this week, unusually so. So, you know, lungs are lungs. That's <laughs> what's interesting is most of our lungs are relatively similar throughout the animal kingdom. So when we're breathing in the smoke, when dogs and cats are breathing in the smoke, we're going to see some irritation to airways and lungs basically in all of us. The big difference is, you know, dogs, we go outside in this weather, it's hot, we sweat. Dogs go outside in this weather and they pant to cool off. So they might even actually be taking in a little more of those pollutants, a little more of that smoke than us. So, you know, we really want to avoid the hottest part of the days, do more indoor activities with our pets right now, um, and kind of clean out those air conditioner filters for everyone's sake. Oh, yeah, that's what Lou Manfredini's been telling us, the same thing about the filters. Uh, Dr. Dana Varble always takes calls if you have a pet question, 312-981-7200. I was reading an article that said the likelihood of dog bites occurring when it is hot outside or on polluted days increases by... By 11%. Is there truth to that? And why is it they're more? I mean, obviously, you're miserable on a hot, polluted day. I don't know if that's it, but. Yeah, it's a fascinating study, and I'm going to have to dive into it. I'm so glad you sent it to me, Lisa. Because what an interesting correlation. Like, why is that happening? Um, but we know it actually happens across the animal kingdom, not just in humans. We know humans, again, crime rates go up when it's hot. Apparently, dogs get cranky as well. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just a reaction to people, if it's being more cooped up, being more stressed with the heat and the smog. Um, but it seems like something seems to make us all a little extra cranky these days. Yeah. And dogs are no exception. So for me, I know just being indoors more, not being able to get outside, enjoy fresh air, do our outdoor activities that reduce our stress. Take my pets for their usual walks 
their usual level of exercise, they should spend a little bit different for everyone, I think. My gosh, I feel like maybe the sun is just trying to burn through here in the studio. All of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a little a little daylight. Maybe we can get rid of some of this smoke. Oh, yeah. It'd be so nice, wouldn't it? Oh We'd my all feel gosh, relieved. it's been miserable. Okay, so yesterday I'm an hour and a half, maybe two hours into my show, and I pull a tick off my neck. Now I can only guess it got on me while I was saying goodbye to my animals. This is tick number five in three weeks. I am frightened of them. They disgust me. They're near impossible to kill. So if my dogs have the preventative. It's not keeping them off of them. It's keeping them from embedding their head into them. Is that the way it works? That's a good question. It depends a little bit on the preventative, but many preventatives also work as a repellent. What they do is the chemicals that are in those um, those drugs, those whether it's oral or topical, where again you give them a pill or put a cream on them or use one of those little packets, it actually spreads through the sweat glands of the skin and you know through the other glands into the hair follicles. So the interesting thing is if you have a pet that's on preventative, that preventative is not only all through their skin but actually should be all through their hair. And at least if your house looks like mine, that means their hair is all over your house yeah, too, yeah. and all over the yard. But, you know, ticks are interesting. We do see some ticks that are resistant to certain pesticides, insecticides. We see them living in spots in your yard that are kind of hidden, that are separate from areas where your pets get into. Um, you know, just because they're not getting on your pets, obviously, unfortunately, doesn't mean they're not jumping on you. Yeah. And I think what scares me the most about ticks is they can carry diseases. They can carry bacteria, um, especially bloodborne bacteria that can cause problems. Things like Lyme disease, for example, um, affect both dogs and people. So, you know, if you're going outside, there are pest control companies that can help spray your yard, keep your grass lower, keep the bushes trimmed. But also for us, if you're in a tick area, Take the time to put on your own bug spray. Your animals have their, again, their monthly preventatives, but we don't. And if we're out, we're just another source of ticks, which is as scary as that is. Yeah, they're so nasty. And I, I, I really need yeah. to I need to start doing that because you're right. They're protected <laughs> and I'm not. Um, Dr. Dana Barbel <laughs> is with us. She's Chicago's exotic pet vet. She's also the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. If you have a question, you can pick up the phone and call right now, 312 312- Nine eight one seventy two hundred, or you can text us a question. Are you traveling with your dog? Are you worried about the Fourth of July fireworks, or is it the roar of the engines when it comes to NASCAR in the city that you think will affect your cat or your dog? Um, we're here to tackle it all right now. Mary's got to check on weather and traffic. seems like the cats don't get as much attention. The dogs get all the attention when we talk to Dr. Dana Varbel. But I've got a bird question for you coming up. Dr. Dana Varbel is Chicago's exotic pet vet. She joins us on Fridays. And somebody sent me a picture, Doc, of a dead rat. And they said, um, can she recommend a trainer in the Skokie area for a pet mix that recently killed a rat? And I thought, well, she must have said a cat. But no, she sent a picture and it's a rat. 
in my opinion, I would want my dog to kill rats. Um, and I yeah. said, I said, what breed and how old? She said, a pit mix approximately four years old. I said, is he aggressive? No. So is that a concern because he killed a rat? You know, not really. You know, a lot of dogs and cats, I mean, cats are much better at it. How about we call it a prey drive? That means if they see a smaller animal, sometimes a smaller dog or cat, but more often a rodent, a rat, squirrels, their natural instinct is to chase it. Now, you know, obviously we don't want them out, you know, interacting with wildlife that can carry diseases, have fleas, have ticks, like we just talked about. But if it happens, it's probably nothing to really worry about. And it's not really a behavioral problem. That's a pretty normal behavior. Okay. If your pet is otherwise happy, go lucky, good, well socialized, good with humans, good with other animals, eh, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I did learn from you last week when we talked about the fireworks and animals who get scared. Um, my mm-hmm. dog, Hank, we had a big storm come through yesterday, and mm-hmm. I just carried on. I'm like, it's okay, buddy, and carried on doing stuff. And so all three of them follow me like it's a parade, like they don't leave my side. But they seem to be a little better because I didn't cater to their fear. And so mm-hmm. I, I learned something from you last week. But this person <laughs> said, my cockapoo is scared of... Mm of the fireworks i've given her the tranquilizer from the vet and i don't see that having an effect on her other than the fact that she pants like crazy is there something else we could do yeah that's a great question because you know if you haven't you've tried things you're not getting anywhere and maybe that you have to try multiple things so sometimes if it's just the tranquilizer just the safe space or just the other sounds it's just not quite enough and you have to start thinking okay i need to reach for more than one fix for my pet so sometimes you can combine things with like tranquilizers with either a kennel or a basement or a room where the sounds are going to be a little muffled because they're inside underneath the house or more interior and then maybe throw a tv show on um that's what i did a good action movie yeah (laughs) a good action movie with lots of loud voices and other loud sounds and those fake explosions that still aren't quite the same decibels as the fireworks but they help to kind of drown out the other sounds so Sometimes when you have just when you're just doing one thing, it's just not quite enough. Look for other things that you can combine it with. All right, Jen is with us. Hey, Jen, what's your question for Dr. Dana Varble? Hi, Dr. Dana. I have an almost 11 year old Chihuahua Terrier Devil mix, and he's been very healthy his whole life. Yeah, I said devil, <laughs> and um, suddenly he had his his yearly appointment about a couple months ago, and then in the last three weeks, he has suddenly just totally changed. Um, first, he had some large hearts. They didn't want to do anything about that. Then they thought he had some spinal pain, you know, like arthritis on his vertebrae. But now in the last three days, he's gone completely blind. Mm. And I, oh. I don't, he's still eating, he's still drinking, he's still barking at noises. Um, he still wants to run out blind and go attack other animals. I mean, is, is there anything? I thought maybe it was medication that they'd given him for his pain. But, I, you know, he doesn't look like he has tumors or anything in his head. And I just, I asked the vet, and I think they're sick of me asking. Because they're like, yeah, well, you know what's happening. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, first of all, can we just enjoy the Chihuahua Terrier Devil mix? Because that is so accurate. Wow, that's <laughs> perfect description. You know, as dogs age, we do see a lot of problems, and we can see some blindness for a variety of things. And one of the more common ones is something called acute retinal degeneration. And basically, for reasons we don't fully understand, something changes in the eye, and all of a sudden, the retinas, which are kind of those reflective surfaces in the back of the eye, help us generate images, just degenerate. So, Jen, I'm going to disappoint you here because I think I'm going to say the same thing your vet is. Eh. Sometimes it just happens. Now, blindness in a dog is very different than blindness in a human. We navigate our whole world through our eyes. It's how we get our food. It's how we get around the house. For a dog, they navigate their whole world through feeling and smell and sound and use their other senses a lot more than just their eyesight. So even though you have an older dog that's suddenly blind, believe it or not, it may not affect their quality of life all that much. So it's kind of crazy that all this has kind of happened one thing after another, and it may be worth repeating some some x-rays or some blood tests just to make sure nothing else has changed. Things like diabetes or other endocrine diseases can cause this, but I'm going to be honest with you, Jen, as long as he's happy, I might be pretty happy to it. Yeah. All right, let's go to Joan. Hey, Joan, you've got the last question for Dr. Dana Varble. What is it? Hi, I have a um, Alaskan Malamute and double-coated dog, obviously, but other, other dog, double-coated dogs I've had did not want to stay outside, but he wants to stay outside, and he pants and pants. Is there anything I can do to, like, keep him protected from being overheated? Oh, these silly sunbathers. <laughs> and in Alaska, oh, yeah, he loves a sunbather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, my huskies really my huskies never wanted to be out in the sun. They love the snow. But this one loves to be Perfect. out in the sun. But then he, he starts panting, and I think, oh, God, is he going to be okay? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. For whatever reason, some dogs seem to really just kind of enjoy a sun bath. And, you know, it's really challenging when you have a dog that is really more adapted to cold weather to prevent them from overheating and still give them the time that they love in the sun. So it's a little bit challenging because, again, yeah, they love the sun. I typically don't recommend clipping those coats because those guard hairs, that outer hair, actually can help reflect some of the sunlight and insulate them, which can actually help them from getting overheated. So kind of sounds a little backwards, but I don't love clipping these dogs. There are some people that say you can wet them down, but, you know, if you have a double-coated dog, which I do at home, wetting them down is a big mess. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got I've got an Alaskan Husky that likes to sit out in the sun as well. And he yeah. tells me when he's done. He's like, okay, I'm done. Ready to come yeah. in and drink a bowl full of water. Um, one quick question before we sure. let you go today. Of course, everybody's headed out on a road trip. Should dogs be hanging their heads out the window or not? Please, Joe. It makes me very nervous. Is <laughs> makes me nervous. I hate being behind a yeah. car like that. Yeah, every once in a while, you'll see a dog that jumps through a partially open window, and you think that they can't fit, but they can. So, really, I like to crack the window very tiny bit, you know, a half an inch, an inch. Gives them that fun time in the wind, but without the risk of injuring themselves. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Happy Fourth of July. We hope you keep all of your pets safe and just don't get in a panic and they won't. That's pretty much the word to share, right? 
Sounds good, Lisa. Yep, stay calm. <laughs> Dr. Dana Varble on 720 WGN. Steve has your news next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. WGN.